A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable Season Reviews. First up today, we have Gitter Llewellyn from the JackCast, and he writes a weekly article or column for the Cromodern Journal. Uh, so welcome back, Gitter. Uh, we did get to speak a little bit uh, as soon as you confirmed that you're keeping Guidolin, but we'll get to that in a moment. We'll start off with your take on the 2015-2016 season as a whole from a Swansea perspective. It's been crazy. It's definitely been our most eventful season um, for for more than a decade, easily, um, definitely since we were down at the bottom of the football leagues, fighting to stay in existence. Um, it, it started off very very promisingly, obviously, with um, the 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 month of August. Um, well, we went unbeaten, had great results against Chelsea, Newcastle, Manchester United, and everything seems set to really follow a similar pattern to what we've had over well every other season in the Premier League. But then, of course. Um, slowly things unraveled. Um, slowly things got out of control, specifically out of Gary Monk's control, um, and that's undoubtedly um, the, the the low point of the season was when things just got so far beyond Gary Monk's control that it was inevitable he would um, have to leave the club after so so long here, um, and, and that 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 was that was quite a dark time for the club, if I'm honest. That was a time when people were genuinely. Um, both upset and angry, um, really, with the way things had turned out. It, it, it shouldn't have gone that way, but it did. Um, and uh, at that point, I don't think people had much optimism, if I'm honest. Um, Alan Curtis came in, steadied the ship for about a month while um, the club looked for a new manager. <clears throat> and, um, but, but then we had a big defeat against Sunderland 4-2. At that point, again, people just really gave up if I'm honest which surprised me um really <laughs> it was something very shocking about our fan base but then Francesco Guidling came in out of nowhere it, completely unknown uh, looked like a bit of a panic move has to be said but hey you know he, he was tasked with keeping us up and he did it with plenty of time to spare the football generally throughout the season has been terrible um it's been awful to watch for a club that's built its reputation on superb, entertaining, positive uh, football. Um, it, it, it's been the complete opposite. It's been dour, it's been negative, it's been gritty. Um, and there's been very little shout about until the last few seasons, uh, last few weeks, where we've had a little bit of a, well, quite, quite a substantial um, upturn in terms of um, performances. But um, it has been a, a, a season of just major highs and major lows, and, and then quite a lot of in-between times where we haven't really know what to think. Um, the important thing is that we are still going to be in the Premier League next season, and that's really all that matters after a season as tumultuous as the one we've had. 
Yeah, so there were obviously a lot of ups and downs this season, but if there was one peak moment, one best moment of the season for you, what would it have been? Oh, I'd, I'd still say it's probably the opening day, uh, which is quite sad. It's, it's always pretty sad when the opening day is um, your, your highlight of the season, especially when you've had the season as bad as this. But um, that, that away draw against Chelsea, and forget what we know now about Chelsea, back on the opening day of the season, they were still reigning champions, and they were, um, I believe, actually still favourites to, to retake the title. Uh, and we were playing at Stamford Bridge, a place where we've never won in the league, and very few teams do win in the league, you know, uh, against Jose Mourinho, who is, you know, just this natural-born winner. Um, and on everything, you know, we, we we absolutely tore them to pieces that day. It, it was a demolition job. We really should have won the game, but we drew it to all. But the nature of the performance was just startling. It was so, so good. Uh, to see Jefferson Montero just rip Branislav Ivanovic to shred something that he's never really recovered from, um, to see Swansea uh, outpassing and, uh, and outthinking Chelsea, to see that creative football really uh, outfox them. Um, it, it, w- it was an absolute joy to watch us outclass the reigning champions on the opening day. Um, and, of course, everybody got very, very excited um, on that day and didn't really quite turn out to be the season that we'd uh, hoped for. The other big positive actually was the away 4-1 performance against West Ham. Uh, it changed a lot of people's views about Francesco Guidolin, um, suggested that you know he may actually be the guy to, to, to take us on next season. There may actually be some shreds of hope, really, because again, it was an unexpected win. Uh, we were going away to a Champions League chasing side. I think it's the first time that we've beaten West Ham at Upton Park since 1956 uh, and again it was a game where we really did outclass them we, we performed in a way that we'd really forgotten we were capable of um, and, the, and the atmosphere the positivity not not just on the pitch but in, in the stands you know to see the fans really enjoying a day out um, again it was something we probably haven't seen for a very long time um, and it just reminded us really of what the club is when it's at its best on and off the pitch yeah, sticking with the uh, Guidolin stuff there, we like I said, we did get to talk about it on a previous show when it had first happened. Now with a little more time to breathe, are you confident in him staying? There were some upsides, like as soon as he came in, Sigurdsson basically flipped a switch and then was great the second half of the season. Obviously still struggling with set pieces. What, what's your just recap of how you feel about Francesco Guidolin heading into next season? I'm I'm still on the fence, but that that's different to my position a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, um, the thought of him taking charge for a, any longer would have really terrified me um, because I I didn't see that he was playing to our strengths. I didn't see that there was anything positive about our play. It was Machiavellian almost, you know, and um, he he was he just didn't seem compatible with 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 the club, if I'm honest, but. Um, in, in a very short space of time, I've, I've had some doubts about my earlier opinion. Um, the performances have improved so substantially. And like I said, that, that away match at West Ham was so different to what we've seen. Uh, and it, was, it, it wasn't sort of a fluke, if you understand what I mean. I mean, those players, are cap- we've known how long those players are capable of performing. Well, similarly to that then, we just didn't believe that Guidolin was capable of getting that kind of performance out of them. But 
you know, he, he did a lot of the things that we've been calling on him to do all season. There were still some negative traits, substituting wingers for fullbacks um, very early on in the second half and appearing to hold on for, for the win when we seem to be on top. You know, the, those, those traits are still there and they're still causing a bit of concern. But I think he's, his long-term appointment has been met with uh, very mixed opinions. There are some who say, well, yes, he's kept us up and that's all we asked for and the performances have improved over the last few weeks. So, yeah, let's give it to him, you know. Uh, then there are others who say, well, yes, we've done very well in the last three games of the season, but what about the, the, the rest of the second half of the season when we we were really terrible and a bit lucky, if I'm honest, that the league was so poor that we were able to stay up um, so comfortably. Um I'm somewhere in between those two schools of thought. I'm sitting on the fence at the moment. I'm going to wait and see what we do in the summer because I do think tough decisions need to be made over the summer. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if Guidolin is the man to do that, uh, to take the, make those tough decisions. And it's wait and see as far as I'm concerned. I've seen good things from Guidolin. I've seen bad. For the most part, they've been bad, but the good things have come right at the end. And um, they they if they can persist and if they are signed things to come, then I, I'm, I'm certainly open to uh, to Greenland staying. And, you know, he's going to get all of support because um, he's he's very well liked because he's a nice guy. Um, and we, we'd really like him to, to succeed here. Um, so he's going to get his full support from the fans, but mm, still plenty of question marks. All right, and going back to the squad, who were your player and young player of the season? Our player of the season probably has to be Gilfie Sigerson. Um, even though he he was pretty absent for the first half of the season, he didn't. He really struggled to have an impact on games. And strangely enough, as John Joe Shelby left the club, he seemed to find a second win and seemed to find his <laughs> way. A lot of people have made that connection. Uh, it's the rumours are that he and John Joe Shelby did not get on very well. And that's hard to believe because I, I, I struggled to see anybody really having a poor relationship with Gilfie Sigerson. He's just a beautiful human being. Um, but he's he, I, I still don't think he's been at his best in the second half of the season. We've seen better from Gilfie Sigerson, but the stats don't lie. I mean, his, his contribution to the team in terms of goals and assists has probably kept us up. Um, we, we've lacked the cutting edge in every other department of the pitch. But that is one area where, even when playing badly, um, we've been able to rely on Gilfie Sigerson in the second half of the season to just pop up and get goals, get goals against draws, get or wins, valuable, valuable points when um, strikers weren't really doing the job, wingers were ineffective, and, and the team generally was underperforming. Um, he's just been that touch of class in the team um, that we have needed um, and well, well, that every club needs when you're battling relegation. Uh, and I think that is the difference really between us and uh, say a Norwich, if I'm honest, that that you know showed showed effort, but but didn't have that quality often enough. Um, I think that's been the big difference between us and the teams that have stayed down the, towards the bottom end of the table. In terms of young player, we're not spoiled for choice. We haven't had. Too many youngsters make the breakthrough. Um, the, the winner of the club's under-21 player of the year was uh, Stephen Kingsley. I'll probably go along with that, even though he's um, he's only played three league games, but he's won every single one of them, um, including wins away at the Emirates in Upton Park. Um, wow. Oh, actually, I, I'm wrong that he did play against Manchester City as well. 
in the final day in the final, on the final day. So he's got three wins and a draw from his uh, first uh, from from his four Premier League games this season. But he he does look promising. He's a he's a Scottish. Um, uh, I think he's a full Scottish international actually. No, I think he has had a cap. Um, full back, uh, quite speedy. Um, he going forward, he's very very confident. Has a wonderful cross on his uh, left foot, which is something Neil Taylor hasn't been able to to give us. Um, defensively, there are still a few concerns. He still looks like he needs a bit of bossing and a bit of leadership at the back whenever he plays. He he plays very narrowly out of nervousness um, because he doesn't want to get too far out wide in, just in case he gets caught out. Um, and so that's an area of his game he still needs to improve. But um, I think there are there's a bit of excitement about him. You know, we've we've brought we've really helped um, develop quite a few good left backs over the last few seasons, including Neil Taylor and most notably Ben Davis. Um, and the hope is actually that he can he can follow in their footsteps because he's he's got the attributes. He just needs a little bit more experience, a little bit more coaching and direction. But he, he is an exciting prospect, I feel. From those players that you do have to ones that you may need to bring in, what positions in Swansea's 11 most need to be strengthened this summer? There are quite a few. Um, I, I, we, we didn't strengthen much last season, and that turned out to be a mistake. And the main area where we didn't strengthen and we really needed to was up front. We brought in Adair for $5 million, but that was a total disaster, and he's probably going to leave in the summer. And um, really, he, he, just, he was just never good enough for the Premier League. Um, Pulaski's come in from uh, from Serie A, but he hasn't really been given much of an opportunity. I'd like to see him being given an opportunity, but I still think we need more quality up front. Um, we, we've relied too heavily on Andre Ayew in, in in that position, and it's not really his preferred position. And Baffer Timby Gomez just hasn't done it either. So we need a striker. Ayew um, is probably shown the way actually a bit, a bit more mobility up front would be would be great from a striker, if I'm honest. Um, having said that, there are rumours that we're going in for Wilfred Boney, which wouldn't give us mobility, but he's proven before that he can uh, he can do the business in front of goal. And I, even though he's not really done as much as City, I'd still back him to fit in perfectly uh, if he was to come back to Swansea. Um, I also think we need a bit more quality up wide in the wings. Wayne Routledge has had a very vanilla season, not really done much. He's worked hard, but hasn't had the quality to contribute to goals uh, as we would have wanted. Mardu Barrow is exciting, but still untamed and still um, need, needs, um, well, he, he needs polishing, really. Um, and Andre Ayew, well, he, he he hasn't really made the wing position his own because he's been switched into every other position on the pitch, apart from goalkeeper, more or less. Um, so I do think we need a bit more quality at wide. Um, it's been a strong, it's been a real strong point of ours um, over the last few years, but it's it's been lacking this season. Montero is the other one that's just not been consistent enough this season, and uh, we we can't really rely on him. Sadly, um, the hope is that we keep on to Gilfie, keep hold of Gilfie Sigerson, and then I don't think we'd have much problem midfield, especially if we sign Leroy Fair, who has surprised me this season. Um, if he can keep up his work rate and not go back the way he was at. Norwich and uh, at QPR, then he he's a good player. Um, I still think we need probably another centre back um, because more than anything, just a, a centre back who's good at set pieces. Maybe a Lewis Dunk type figure uh, from Brighton. He, he he just we just need that controlling influence from set pieces. It's got that bad that we should really bring in a player just for that purpose. 
Um, and then fullbacks is another is the is the other position that needs strengthening because um, Neil Taylor hasn't really done it. Kingsley, as I said, still probably not ready to be a regular uh, on the other wing. Then um, Norton's still not quite doing it, even though he's improved towards the end of the season. And Rangel. Uh, as much of a legend as he is, and uh, he's, he can still do a job, but he's not got that pace that he used to have, and he's getting on a bit. So I think we could do with fullbacks, um, centre back, uh, and uh, wingers and a striker. If I'm honest, we we do need quite a clear out and quite uh, a freshening up of the squad. And uh, shame the the whole Tabano thing didn't work out because that would have helped you at wing back. Any more information on why that went so sideways? It's attitude, I think. I, I do feel that because I, I I saw quite a bit of Tabernou for Sanetti and, and he impressed me every time I saw him. I thought he was a good footballer. Um, and in pre-season as well, he looked quite fresh and ready to go. But Taylor was given the nod, I guess. Gary Monk's opinion was that it was his position to lose. Um, Tabernou didn't seem too happy with that decision. Didn't seem too happy sulking on the, be- uh, sulking on the bench. Um, and then... The, the, when he did actually eventually get the opportunity to play, um, he um, he didn't impress. He looked unfit when he came on the FA Cup against Oxford uh, and, and looked all over the shop defensively. Um, honestly, as if he'd never even played football before. Um, and then, of course, he made the, the error that French players always make, um, as well as Swansea anyway. And he went to the went to the press to um, to complain. Um, and um, I don't think that really endears you to your fans and to your club when you're playing in uh, in the Premier League. Uh, he was shipped off to San Etienne. I don't really think there's much interest actually from San Etienne signing him, but I can't see him being at the club next season. He's he, it, it was just that he wasn't right for the club from the off. His attitude wasn't right, um, and and he just didn't fell out with everybody. It seemed. All right, and lastly, what do you think Swansea's objectives are for the 2016-17 season? Get back to doing what we do best. Um, This season, we've gone against everything that we've done well over the last few seasons, on and off the pitch. It's been uh, unorganized. There's been no consistency. The style of football has been terrible, really negative. Um, and, and, uh, And the whole club just went on a bit of a downer. I want to see us just... Go back to doing what we do best, you know, play to our players' strengths, and that means getting the ball down and playing um, with a greater degree of control on the pitch. Um, definitely more positivity in our play, um, and um, that, that, that's the main objective on the pitch. And I, I, I mean, we fi- we, fi- we finished twelfth, which is you know respectable finish, and it, what has to, it has to be said was a very poor league. Um, and it remains to be seen if the, the league will be stronger next year or not and how much the Swans will need to improve. But um, they're capable of better than we, we saw this season. Uh, off the pitch, we, we're still in the dark about whether this uh, uh, takeover is going to take place anytime soon. feeling is that it's it's still very much on the cards and it'll still probably happen, but um, slight concerns about what kind of impact that'll have on uh, on recruitment over the summer and how much money Greenland's going to have to spend. So at the moment, our sort of specific goals in terms of league finish, um, they, they rest on what we do over the summer. It's a big summer for the club, biggest we've had in a very long while. Um, some big decisions need to be made. Um, 
and I think come back to me in at the start of August, I'll give you a better idea of what our aims should be for the coming season. Just safety for now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the main goal every single season. You know, it shouldn't it's it's not the be all and end all, but when you're a club the size of Swansea, we're still realistic. We we're we're still punching above our weight just being in the Premier League. So the first aim every single season is safety and then you go from there. Problem is that this season probably didn't have the attitude of okay we'll push on once we get safety um and that um, that that was a minor disappointment but yeah the, the the aim is still safety we're not arrogant enough to believe that we should be challenging for europe on a regular basis or anything like that we we are just pretty happy being in the premier league at the moment all right well thank you so much for joining us on this ghetto and throughout the season and we'll look forward to talking about wales and the euros and now with us on the line is Joshi, a Manchester United fan that's joined us in the past, and, and we're very glad that he's joining us again. Uh, we'll start off with just an overall season review. What was your take on Manchester United's 2015-2016 season? Cool. Well, thanks, Kevin, for having me on. And um, yeah, well, it's it's been a difficult season as a fan. Um, obviously, finishing fifth was below our expectations, but more importantly, we were just pretty dire to watch i mean it was it was pretty stale it wasn't exciting it's not it was it was nothing you associate with manchester united of the past sort of 20 30 years which is what i've been watching how long i've been watching them actually sort of longer than 30 years but you know in that time you always get excitement even if you're not always winning but you know you, you've always got that excitement in the in the side and this season it's it sort of come in fits and starts it's not been a cohesive sort of team excitement the individuals are bringing that through but yeah it, it's I would say overall disappointing but um Liverpool's loss against uh Sevilla made it a little bit a little bit easier to take and um yeah I, I would say it's been disappointing and it need, there needs to be a lot of improvement for next year uh, obviously, there were some uh, ups and downs this season, but if there was one main up, the, the moment of the season for you, what would it have been? The moment of the season, I think for me, would be um, Anthony Marshall's debut, or I like to call him Tony Marshall. It's easier to pronounce. <laughs> um, I was at the stadium. Um, he comes on, completely skins Skirtle against Liverpool and scores a Probably one of our goals of the season, um, well, as, as, as Manchester United, so um, goals of the season. And yeah, it was an amazing moment for him on his debut, especially after the sort of panning he got in the press from for, for costing so much and pretty much unknown. You know, before he was linked to United, I had didn't really have much of an idea of who he was. He hadn't played that much in France. And I don't follow French football closely enough anyway to sort of know what he was all about but he came in that didn't bother him and he's had a stellar season and it was all from that moment what made it sweeter it was actually one of the few games I've managed to get to this season so and I was there to, to see it so it was all all sort of came through together uh, as a runner-up you'd have to say uh, Mar- uh, Marcus Rashford's um, debut as well but Jen but but I think Marshall's just just uh, just ahead of him but just because of the whole situation and it was against sort of the old enemy as you know at Old Trafford pretty pretty special yeah you mentioned a couple of the youngsters there in Martial and Rashford obviously that was kind of the 
highlight of the season is seeing so many of the younger players coming through, like Lingard and Cameron Borthwick-Jackson had a few games, and I know Timothy Fosu-Mentz had a good match against us and Tottenham. Uh, who is going to be in charge next season of this young burgeoning squad? Is, uh, are we still going to have Vingal? Is Mourinho showing up? Uh, I, I mean, I think my my gut feeling tells me that Van Hal is going. But I say that like a question because my gut feeling has been crap over the last two years. <laughs> like I've had gut feelings about all sorts. This is why I've stopped betting as well. Literally no idea what's going to happen. You just don't know with Edward Wood in charge. Um, and I don't know if how I don't know how much the board rates potentially winning an FA Cup. Obviously, it's the FA Cup final weekend this weekend. If we win that, um, I don't know how much that helps Van Hal. Obviously, if we lose it, I think it's pretty much set he's going to go. But it's difficult to say. My gut feeling says Van Hal is going to go simply because it's just been uh, two years of really poor football and. I think he's laid some good foundations in places. He's got rid of some uh, dead wood in terms of players, you know, and he's probably cleared a lot off the wage bill. So he'll have pleased the board on that sense. But I just think he's not quite there, you know, really taken on board what how the Premier League sort of is. And it's sort of borne out in the fact that we have better results against the big teams, but somehow we we get we get beaten by teams you'd expect United to be able to you know, even without a manager, with the players that we have, to be able to win or at least get some draws. But, you know, losing against Norwich at home, things like that, you just sort of think it becomes, when it becomes a regular thing, it's a bit too much. So my gut feeling is that he's going regardless of what happens at the cup final. But like I said, my gut's not been very, it's not not been very trustworthy recently. So I'm not 100% sure what's going to happen. All right, and uh, who would you say were your player and young player of the season? Um, well, player of the season, uh, I get it, <clears throat> it probably um, David De Gea. If we're looking through consistency throughout every single game that he mm. played, but then he sort of it, it, because he's probably our currently our only world class player, and because he's probably in my mind, he's definitely in the top three keepers in the world. You almost discount him so because he's sort of almost an automatic choice. So if we discount him on that basis, I'd probably give it to Anthony Marshall. Again, he's had a really good season. Youngsters come in. I think, he, well, he, he scored goals. He's made goals. He's brought that excitement through to the team when he's been on the pitch. He's had dips as well, but he's young. And, you, you know, he's had to shoulder pretty much the entire attacking um, burden up until Rashford's emergence. So I'd give it to Marshall as if we're going to give him player of the season, I guess um, young Marcus Rashford would get young player of the season. He's just been excellent since he's come in the side. Again, he's a player that, you know, he was doing well in the youth sort of academy and the academy teams. But I, and I, I do watch a bit of that um, when I get a chance, but I wouldn't have said prior to this season that he was going to make this type of breakthrough. Um, you're looking at other players to potentially do that, like Pereira, I thought would be more of someone who'd come through and break through Yanezai, but they haven't done. It's been Rashford. He's been breath of fresh air and every club loves it when a local lad comes around at Spurs. You've got Harry Kane. He's doing it. He's a London lad. He's, you know, come through the Spurs. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And it would be amazing if uh, Rashford could sort of follow in his footsteps in terms of the consistency. But certainly since he's come in the side, he's been excellent. And 
you only have to look at the fact that he's forced Van Hal to push Rooney into midfield um, to show that you know he has had an impact even at, on that sort of scene at, at that level on the manager and everyone else. And he's just exciting to watch. His finish the other night um, was uh, well in the rearranged game against Bournemouth was excellent as well. He just seems like he's got his head in the right place as well. So I'm really hopeful he can go and do well. So I'll probably give it to him. Even though we've had a lot of young players come through this season, he's been the most consistent and the most exciting. All right, and this is going to be a particularly tough ask as you don't know who your manager is going to be. Uh, <laughs> but what positions do you think most need to be strengthened this summer? Uh, so, I don't know. I think we have an issue in midfield because, well, I just don't like Fellaini. I don't think he's good enough. Uh, Michael Carrick's coming to an age where he's you're not going to be able to rely on him every single game, even though he's had an excellent career at United. This season, he's had a sort of, again, ups and downs. So I would be looking for a midfielder and I would be looking to sort of get rid of those two. Schweinsteiger as well, his injury problems have, you know, meant that he can't play as regularly. He's not as fit as he probably should be uh, or could be or whatever, or you'd like him to be. So midfield is an area I would look at, central midfield. Definitely centre-back. I know, I actually commend the way Smalling and Daly Blint have played, but it still feels like a like Blint is sort of shoehorned, shoehorned in there, as well as he has done. He's also had games where he's been exposed. So to get someone in there like a world-class centre-back, if we could attract someone, given that we're not going to be in Champions League, but a really properly good centre-back to come in alongside Smalling, I think would help. And then that allows Blint to push up into that midfield area where I think he'd be more comfortable sitting. Um, and a, a centre-forward, because at the moment, Marshall's coming in off the left. I like him there. He's, you know, that's not a problem. Um, Rashford's coming through. But then, you know, an injury or two or whatever, you've got real problems with an attacking player. So there's quite a few areas, really, um, when, when you think look at the side. Because, again, even at, at right back, we ha- we're having issues. Damien's not been as good as he initially looked like he was going to be. And you're, we're playing with Antonio Valencia there, who's, again, done commendably, but this is not, what we want we want someone as a specialist in that area can do it so there's quite a few areas but if i had to say pick two it would probably be center back and central midfield um given that other areas we have players who can cover and stuff if we only had two two signings to make that's what i'd go for but at the moment it's looking like we need quite a few which is a bit disappointing given we've spent quite a bit in the last few years you have spent a fair chunk of change over the past few years. Uh, a and, lot of it in central midfield as well, which was... Yeah, I mean, yeah, we have spent in central midfield. But if you... I mean, I have faith in Herrera and Schneiderlin under the right manager. Because Van Hal doesn't trust Herrera. Doesn't trust them for some reason, but they've yeah. had... Herrera when they is one played, of the most they? understatedly brilliant players. Yeah, I think, again, I, I think he has great moments in games, but... The problem with the system we use is he has to be really rigid and really stick to the system. And because he's that's not his natural game, he probably doesn't come out as much as we would like him to in terms of his creativity and his sort of getting forward and having that effect. And, and that's sort of part of why he's probably been not as good as or as consistent as we I would have liked to, him to have been. And again, with Schneidlin, whenever he plays, he seems to play, Van Hal seems to play him in this sort of sitting role which is the which is not what he did at Southampton. 
he was more of like this box to box kind of player. So it's a bit weird how those two, who I think they're excellent players and maybe could work really well together with someone sitting at a base. He just just hasn't seemed to want to doesn't want to do that. So we've spent a lot in that area, but we've not really used the players, you know, because it's still Fellaini, and that was a ridiculous signing anyway. But it's still like Fellaini, Carrick, who's who are in there more often than not. So, and I think Fellaini's got. I don't know if he'll go or not, but Carrick will probably go. Fellaini will go, and Schweinsteiger has got issues with fitness. So again, that's three players that you're sort of looking at who aren't good enough. So yeah, you've got to then spend again in that area, and it's an important part of the team. Mm, fair enough. Uh, and this may change depending on who your manager is next season. But uh, what do you think your objectives will be next year? And does it change if you do have uh, Mourinho instead of Van Gaal? Um, I don't think they should change because if they don't sack Van Gaal, he needs to have. He still he still needs to have sort of high, quite high high objectives or you know aim high in for the season because that's the whole point of his three year plan. He's been he was banging on about it last season, whatever. But the objectives, given uh, that I don't actually as as well as Leicester did, and it was an amazing story. I don't think they can sustain it next year. They might prove me wrong again, but I, I think they'll lose players like Kante and and uh, Mares. Uh, probably not Vardy, but you know they'll lose some players, and maybe I'm not saying they'll get relegated, but I think they'll drop down. And you're looking at the other teams, so I think you're looking at like the likes of City, Chelsea. You know that everyone has issues, so I don't think that saying we could push for the league is too much of a leap because of the fact that all the sides have been a bit a bit dodgy this year. Uh, Spurs will be a good uh, will be a, will probably be the main I think they'll probably push push quite hard but they have an issue with fading away at the end of the season as a Pochettino's team have done that quite a lot so that might be an issue but as an objective I would say you know there's no I wouldn't I wouldn't go to Van Hal and say minimum top four and I know the board will do that because that's kind of where the money comes from as Champions League I would just go to say you have to win the league this year. That's that's your priority. That's what's got to happen. Um, so as an objective, yes, I think it's an aspirational objective. It's not completely unrealistic because of the fact that I don't think Leicester will sustain it, and the other teams also have issues going on. And I think we could do that with the right signings. Whether we do it or not, it's it's it's. I think it's. I don't know. It will. It will. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but otherwise, a trophy elsewhere would be nice. Like we're about to, well, we're about to play in the um, FA Cup final. That's quite good. So you know, that's but the priority is always the league. That's what we have to concentrate on. So that whoever it is in charge, the objective has to be to win the league. If we end up second or third, then you've got to look at the story of the season and decide whether that's good enough or not. But I think that you have to go into that next season with that objective given the state of the other teams in the, in, in the league. All right, I'm going to sneak in a putting you on the spot last minute bonus question of, do you think Wayne Rooney is going to help you achieve your future goals or do you think he's holding you back with so many young players coming through? I, uh, I think given the state of the squad, his experience is invaluable. And in that sense, I think he can help the side. But, I have a personal dislike for the fact that he gets so much 
favoritism. And that's why I'm actually, I quite like the fact he's, when he came back from injury, he didn't just go straight back into the side up front. He's been shunted into midfield and in fairness to him has done well. Now, whether that's a long-term thing or not, I don't know. That's not for me to decide. And you can't tell after just a few games. Um, but if he, if he is our first choice center forward for next season, at the beginning of next season, then I would say that he will hinder any chances of us progressing. If he is next season in there as an experienced pro, as a leader, um, coming in at centre forward if needed, but playing in where he needs to play, and I don't know if he wants to accept that type of role, then I think he can help the squad, he can help the younger players. But it, yeah, it, again, it's just it's difficult to say, but if I, ha- if I was put on the spot, you know, Will he help or will he not? I think probably you'd just about say he helps the side with his experience uh, because you've got to look at the side. It doesn't really have much in there. So he is he has scored goals. He's won trophies. And that's sort of invaluable experience to have in the squad. But if we sign a whole bunch of players that I want us to sign, then it might be that he doesn't want to fit in that kind of role. And then I wouldn't be upset if we sold him. It's a softer, it's a softer attitude than what I had before. Where admittedly I was like, "Look, just sell him. He's just dragging us down." Um, but given you know how poor we've been, you kind of need to keep that experience and quality over the years, even though you might not have it now. But just keep it in there, just in case you sort of need it. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll probably pester you some more next season to see if we can't get you back on. But uh, we appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. No problem. And that is our show for the day, and that's the end of our season reviews. Uh, so if you'd like to follow the two guests that we're on today, you can find Gitto over at Gitto Tuellen, or you can find Joshi at Busby MUFC. So thanks so much to them. Thanks so much to all of the guests that have come on and done these season reviews with us. Uh, we really appreciate you listening to us again this season and hope you come back for the Euros, which we'll begin covering in a couple weeks' time. So thanks so much, and we hope you keep listening. 